I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Friday. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking with Michelle B., an amazing YouTuber who has an app and a day planner, all of which center around the themes of self-compassionate productivity. She's one of my favorite people to follow on the internet, so I'm actually pretty pumped to have her here. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's so crazy to me to see you on video and but always seeing you on video, does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. And you've also got like my usual YouTube background as well. So <laughs> you've got yeah. a heavy experience. <laughs> Just like right in, right on the element, right? Right yeah. in the YouTube video. <laughs> um, so into the work that you're doing now with YouTube and the app and your day planner. Yeah. Where did you what's your journey been like? I feel like my journey has not been a straightforward one. Um, So I, prior to doing YouTube, was working as an online learning designer. um, And I was pretty lucky to land that role. The reason I actually landed that role was because of YouTube. They were like, oh, you're doing all this YouTube stuff. That's multimedia. You can therefore do all this um, online learning design stuff. And I landed that role, which was really pure luck. Um, And did that for a good chunk of time. um, And I was doing YouTube on the side, went part-time and then sort of gradually made YouTube my full-time thing. So yeah, I've always been interested in what I talk about on YouTube. Um, and it turns out other people are interested in it as well, which is great. Yeah. Well, and I'm curious, like what your Enneagram type is, how you discovered the Enneagram and your journey with that as well, because I feel like they're probably kind of aligned. Yeah. Yeah. So Enneagram is my favorite personality quiz. Um, and I've always been into personality quizzes, like always been big into, I was into like the MBTI, um, pre Enneagram, but I find Enneagram is just a little bit superior. Um, I discovered Enneagram. You would agree. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I found Enneagram through a guy called Donald Miller, who has a podcast, Mm -hmm. I think it's called Marketing Made Simple. And he was big on Enneagram and I think he got all of his employees to do Enneagram as well. And they'd use Enneagram to influence how they would work with each other. And I was like, wow, if it's influencing your company that much, it must be great. Um, Mm -hmm. did the Enneagram and I, um, Look, it actually changes every time I do it. I'm either a four wing three or I'm a four. And I honestly think it depends on how emotional I am feeling on the day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like emotions are something that learned to be okay with or something that you've always been really comfortable with? Oh, that's such a good question. Not to be in a typing right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's so fine. Um, I think that some emotions I've always been okay with and other emotions probably not so much. Like I think, uh, I don't know if it's like a woman thing, like anger is probably something that I've always struggled with and, you know, almost Mm -hmm. been scared of. I think that generally as a young girl, you're not taught that anger is an appropriate emotion. So that's been something mm-hmm. that I've sort of had to grapple with in the last few years. Um, but I've always been a deeply emotional person. Um, and then I think I reacted to that by being a deep um, intellectualizer of emotions, which I don't know is awfully helpful. But yeah, so yeah. my Enneagram 4, I always say, is like my emotional side. And then you've got the struggle with the Enneagram three, which is um, a lot more practical. And there's always almost like a little Mm -hmm. fight between the two. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think it's like some some wings I think are so fun because it is like it creates an inner conflict. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. My Enneagram 4 is like, let's wallow in the feelings. My Enneagram 3 is like, let's get things done. So it's <laughs> Yeah. I love that. Um, I am curious because did you start creating content when you were like 12? Oh my gosh. Did I, I read did. that? Yeah. Yeah. No, you did. <laughs> I mean, my niche, I'm not that dedicated. But yes, when I was like 13 years old, you've done your research. I was well, actually, probably the yeah, 12, 13, maybe even younger, I was creating websites online. Um, I had cottonhandcloud.net was my main core website. And I was making drag and drop doll makers. And do you remember those glitter graphics um, that we yeah. used on MySpace? I, I created those. You may have used my MySpace glitter graphic my- online. Yeah, I was well into it. And I'd sell little glitter graphic packs um, to people who were probably like grown adults on forums and, um, that was how I earned my money it was great oh my gosh that's genius yeah yeah and I enjoyed it I've always loved creating so I feel like it's always kind of like been somewhere you know what has been like how has your relationship to creativity changed over the course of your life yeah um I mean, like I said, I feel like I am a creator by nature. I feel like I'm always going to be creating no matter where I am. And I think, I mean, when I was younger, it was like prolific creation. It was like, let's just pump things Mm -hmm. out. I think now it's definitely slits matured is what I would say. So um, especially now because a lot of my creating for people and there is a bigger audience behind it. And you're thinking a lot more about, you know, what you're producing. Uh, it's probably just become a lot more intentional. And there is like that pressure side of it um, that can make the creation process feel a little more different. Oh, for sure. Like I feel like the more it becomes like a business too, the more you have customer. It's like your audience is kind of your customer base. So then it's yeah. like – I'm creating partially like, you know, I think there's that, I think maybe you've talked about like that sweet spot between like what I want to create and what my audience wants for me and what. Yes. It's, but it's, it's a battle. <laughs> it is. Yeah. But I find, I mean, right now what I'm trying to experiment with is um like a one for me, one for you situation. So I'm like, I'll try and do one video. Then like, I'm just interested in this. I just want to put that out. Um, just despite whether, you know, it has a good reaction, not going to care so much about like the click through. Uh, but then I'll do one that I know is a little bit more targeted and is probably going to get more clicks or a little bit more attention. So I'm trying to, trying to experiment with that so that I get that mm-hmm. balance because I think it's important to have those maybe like fluffier content pieces that will reach mm-hmm. people and then they can sort of deep dive into the other ones that are a little bit more niche um, yeah. as they want to. That's really helpful to me to hear actually because I'm in like a – I'm like shifting as a person. I'm changing. Yeah. But like what my audience wants is like – not what I am like shifting towards you. And so I am like, I'm just feeling, I mean, I'm sevening out a little. My seven is like, let's move on. Like, let's explore. Yeah. And I mean, I will always talk about the Enneagram will always be what I talk about, but it's like contextualizing that in new ways, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I I like the like one for one, like that, that helps me like not act like a petulant child about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. As well, like, because I I don't know if it's the Enneagram 4, but I like a lot of the time 
or my view in the past has sort of been like, oh, like I need to dive deep and it needs to be, you know, um, it needs to feel really aligned and feel really niche because I don't know that, you know, that's what I vibe with. And I haven't really seen the value in the fluffier content, but more and more lately, I'm just trying to see that, hey, the fluffier content actually does have value and people you know, they love that stuff on a Sunday morning and it makes them feel motivated and inspired. And maybe they don't want so much of a deep dive. It's just that little bit of sugar that they want. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to like to see the value in the fluffier content. Um, and, you know, that way I can sell myself on it. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you like what in your niche fluffy content is? Like, what does that look like? Oh, I think... So for example, um, I've done one video before and it was called how to make friends, which sounds like fluffier content, but it was like a deep dive. And I just went into every single thing that I know about relationship building. And, you know, it was a little bit more niche, I would say. Um, then you could do a video on like, uh, I could do a video on maybe change my life or something. And I wouldn't need to do much research for that. It would just be probably like me riffing, um, and chit chatting about how things have changed and stuff. And to me, I'm like, Oh, it's a little bit fluffier because I'm not providing the research. I'm not going into depth. Um, but like I said, like people love that stuff and it can be really inspiring and I need to not discredit it. (laughs) That's so, yeah, that's super interesting because it's like, it's almost like, does this live up to your standard of like what you think is significant or quality it's so true. versus like what your audience will in- it also, cause I know I can like, I follow your content so much that oh. I'm like, Oh, I know both of those. I like both of those. So yeah, exactly. And it, it probably is more internal. And sometimes like you'll put out videos that you're like, Oh, that wasn't very deep. And I didn't do such on it. You'll still get a comment. That's like, Oh my gosh, my mind is blown. Like, this is insane. Yeah. You introduced me to something so new to me. And I'm like, okay, like, I, yeah, it is probably a little bit about almost discrediting your knowledge that you see as basic, but other people might see as like incredible and, and new and life changing. So, yeah, it's a balance. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> do you ever feel like you like, I always I forget people don't know what I already know, like, yeah. especially with the Enneagram, like, I'm like, okay, remember, pretend like you haven't been studying this for so many years. Or- <laughs> yes. <laughs> and exactly. like, no, mm-hmm. I get exactly the same thing. And I think it's almost like curse in a way. I almost wish I could mm-hmm. um, go back in time and have like that beginner's mind and see mm-hmm. what other people might be like excited about, what might be new to people. But to me, I'm like, oh yeah, no, that's, that's so, it's been, it's been done, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So do you want to, because now, right, we've made creativity our jobs and it's like, now we have to, we're on routines and schedules and creativity doesn't always play like that. So do you have like routines or habits or systems that support your ability to, to flow and be creative? Yeah. I mean, I would say my most important habit that I have when it comes to creation is reading. I'm a prolific reader. I read every day. Um, and I also do note take. So I have, have you heard of the Zettelkasten note taking system? No, uh, no. <laughs> um, I'm probably gonna love it. <laughs> you might do. Um, there's a book called How to Take Smart Notes. I forget who it's by, but you'll be able to find it if you give it a Google. Um, and he talks about the Zettelkasten note taking system. I won't go into depth about it because I probably won't be able to explain it too well. But basically, it's just when you read, taking notes on the ideas and thoughts that come to mind in response to that, and then exploring the question up, linking those notes to other notes. 
it's it's a whole world when you start looking into it. Um, but I would say that reading and note-taking are some of the best things that I've done for my content creation process. Not necessarily because I'm like reading and then taking that exact concept and putting it in a video, but I think it's like having a good conversation. You know, when you have a good conversation and you're like, ideas are sparking like things are flowing in response to that conversation and I think the same thing can happen mm. when you're reading and you're then having a thought thinking deeply about that thought and it somehow weaves its way into content so I think that's probably one of my mm-hmm. best habits that I have for content creation that keeps things interesting for me and for my audience yeah I love that because it is like you like sparking new ways of thinking about things and yeah. new perspectives Yeah. And even like reading something and it might be something about relationships, but then you can apply it to productivity in some way, shape or form, you know? Yeah. I feel like it's like your, for me, when I'm like not enough content, it's like I'm trying to like pour out of of my own well, which is like one feels repetitive, but two feels like just much more draining than if I allow inspiration to come or I invite inspiration in. Yeah. And the best content always seems to come from, it's those little, those little like bits of excitement that hit you and you're just like, Ooh, this is so interesting. Like I want to do something around this rather than sitting down and being like, okay, what's, what am I going to force myself to write? You know? And I feel like I've seen so many people like sit down at the desk and try to create from that spot and be like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not able to do this? Yes. And I find as well with sometimes it comes down to the pressure that you're putting on yourself. Lately, I've been Mm -hmm. trying to, because I write a lot of my YouTube videos. So I'm talking about in the context of writing from that perspective, um, like I script them. Um, But lately I've just been trying to write write shit am I allowed to swear on your podcast yeah yeah (laughs) um but I've just been sitting down and being like okay like what's the shittiest thing that I could say about this topic Mm -hmm. like what's the worst thing that comes to mind and I'm trying to because I've definitely always been someone who when I write I'm like oh it has to be final draft like I have to put a pen to paper and it has to be like you know ready to go um but I've been trying to take that perspective like no just like write absolute crap and you'll find in between the crap you know there's um that come out that But you have to like take that pressure off, I find really helpful. Yeah, I love that like intentionally writing a shitty first draft and being like, this is – how bad can I make it? Oh, absolutely. And then it's like like immediately like freedom. Yeah, it's such a weird feeling of like taking the pressure off. You're like, oh, no, I actually do have things to say after you've written (laughs) trash for a few paragraphs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Um, So – with your Enneagram, like three or four combo, what do you feel like your strengths are? Like, what are they bringing to your creative process? Sure. Um, I feel like you've got the Enneagram three, there's the drive for growth. And I feel like that is helpful in all areas of my life. Um, I I mean, I do feel like it's helpful in my career, um, but probably it just generally, like across the board, there's always a drive for growth and the drive for betterment, which can be exhausting, but can also be helpful. Um, and then um, the Enneagram, and you might not as, as knowledgeable as you, but mm-hmm. I find with the Enneagram 4, um, like the, there's this deep need to be genuine and a deep need to be aligned. Um, mm-hmm. And I do find that helpful in balance with the Enneagram it pushes me to always be working on things that I'm interested in and make sure that I'm like on a pathway that feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 
I feel you so much on that like exhaustion of like constantly needing to prove. Like yes. <laughs> I feel like there has to be a balance, but sometimes I feel like when I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna take a break from personal growth and I'm gonna just let myself like be whatever I wanna be and do whatever I wanna do. Yeah. And then I'll I'll feel like um really tired. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm like <laughs> taking all of these like I'm like, oh wait, those were self-care habits still. <laughs> I feel like that's like a, a nice middle ground. I was talking to someone about this recently, actually. Um, I did a meetup and someone was saying the exact same thing. They're like, I was, you know, this perfectionist, this really growth focused person. Then I was like, I'm going to let it all go. And then I was just like Netflix, TikTok, you know, doing all these that feel good or healthy. So it is like finding that nice middle ground where, yeah, it, it's a tough one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think it is fun. To, you know, I had a little TikTok season there and I remember why it's not my normal season. Yeah, it's always <laughs> just this great reminder of why that isn't how you want to spend your life, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. Um, With like the thought of growth in mind, like what do you feel like has been your kind of focus on growth this past year? Yeah, this last year, I feel like my big focus has been managing my feelings and managing my thoughts. Um, Yeah, I feel like pre- Maybe pretty early 22, really. I think my only approach that I've ever really seen to like managing my thoughts was, um, you know, you have a negative thought, replace it with a positive one, which is <laughs> like not the best. Um, I mean, like it can work for some people and some people find that really helpful. Um, different things for different people, but it just wasn't that helpful for me, I found. Um, so I went, I sort of, yeah, deep dived into how to my feelings and thoughts um, in a more effective way. And it's been pretty life-changing, really. Yeah, can we talk? What like what? What's the way? What's the secret? What's the way? And I'd love to be like giving like the specific. But I think the biggest finding that I had was like, oh, like it can work differently depending on the situation. So I really deep dived into every different type of therapy. Um, I was like, okay, got to do this in the best way possible. So I was like, CBT, <laughs> that's the gold standard. We're gonna go for a little CBT. Um, deep dived into that, and I was like, oh, that's not working over here. So I was like, ACT, ACT is gonna be the answer. I hope people are slightly familiar with like the different types of therapy. Um, but um, I tried that, and then I was like, oh yeah, you know, so I dove into DBT, MCT. There are lots of CTs around there. Um, but yeah, I guess <laughs> what I found was like some things work for some thoughts and feelings and other mm-hmm. in other situations you've got to apply different techniques um and they'll work better for you so I know that's like not what anyone wants to hear they want to hear this is the answer um, but what I've learned is that just probably is no answer and you need to experiment and see what feels best for you yeah well I love that because it, it's just like so much permission to pay attention to yourself Absolutely. and to like listen yeah and just experiment and um yeah it's kind of like a humbling realization to be like there's just no one answer that will solve all of the problems and I think that applies in so many different fields like productivity field I feel like people are like mm-hmm. give me the one you know weekly planning routine or the one daily planning routine that's going to change my life and it's like like everyone is different and you've really just got to experiment and figure out what feels good. And you're also going to go through seasons where something feels so good and so aligned through season and you'll need to switch it up. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not, yeah, it's not what anyone, but I've found to be true in so many different arenas. (laughs) I agree. I think like I tried to talk about time blocking last week on stories and I was like, 
And here's why sometimes I use it and sometimes I don't use it. (laughs) It can be useful and it can be stressful. Totally. Yeah. And it just depends on honestly, like how you're feeling day to day. Also just like how your little brain works. Everyone's brain works differently. Um, Yeah. It's, it is a tough thing in the productivity world because I do think everyone's like really looking for that, like one thing that'll fix everything. And yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just not the way it is. Sadly. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Right. Um, Well, I am curious because is it you that was talking recently about like regulating your nervous system? Ooh, I don't talk so much about regulating my nervous system. I read a lot about it though. I see all the Twitter people talking about nervous system stuff, (laughs) (laughs) but I probably should be able to provide the answer to easier after. Um, I find it super interesting. I feel like uh, regulating your nervous system, so many people talk about um, like they can just be like self-care practices really at the end of the day, but it's a really nice like rebrand that feasible to a lot of people and people are like a little bit more into it when you put the sciencey wording into it. And I like, I'm not an exception. I'm like, Ooh, nervous system, all different. But then I read a lot of the practices and I'm like, Oh yeah, we've been talking about this stuff for a long time. Yeah. I love that. It is like, it's like, um, marketing like bed for (laughs) self care. It's great though. Like I love it. I find Andrew Huberman, do you know, Andrew Huberman, um, Mm -hmm. super sciencey Stanford professor. Um, and he really takes a lot of basic concepts and puts a lot of scientific layering on top of them, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, topics like gratitude, um, which is something that I have found not many guys talking about in the past, whereas lots of women, you know, women have been on the gratitude train for years. Um, But when Andrew talks about gratitude, he layers all the science on top of it. All of a sudden you have all these guys talking about gratitude. And I think, I mean, it sucks that like you got to add all those layers onto it uh, to make it a little bit less, maybe is it feminine? I'm not sure. But I think it's always wonderful in a way. Like it's accessible to so many more people when you chuck a little rebrand on it and make it sciencey. Yeah. It's interesting because it is like, I'm fascinated by that. Like by why like that, like can't people like don't want to take it at face value. Like if I'm like, just practice gratitude, they're like, prove it to me. Yeah. Sorry, my Google's going off. Hey, Google's. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Absolutely. And I also feel like it's like anything that seems a little bit spiritual leading or a little bit um, in your feelings. I find a lot of people just mm-hmm. reject it. But as soon as you yeah, rebrand it, make it a little bit sciencey, they'll, you know, pack up and be like, okay, yeah, tell me about it. Um, even Andrew Huberman, he talks about um, Yoga Nidra, which is obviously a that has been a happening for a long time. Um, he took yoga nidra, and I'm not too sure this is a good thing. I think there's a lot of um, people, you know, um, what's the word for it? A lot of people aren't super happy with this, which makes so much sense. But he took yoga nidra, mm-hmm. and he started to call it non-sleep deep rest. Um, mm-hmm. And so many now, and and people probably generally, I shouldn't probably make it specific, but um, are like, yes, non-sleep deep rest. But when it was yoganesia, because I think it had that spiritual sort of tone to it, uh, people just went as into it. Um, and I think it maybe it feels less scary when it's less scientific. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like which Enneagram types are like, yeah, give me the proof, like Ooh. show me how this impacts me chemically That's and so then cool. I'll, I'll be. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's such that's such a what 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 comes to your mind yeah. first? Like how? Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel like definitely. I know like fives and sixes. Okay. Give me the evidence. Like prove to me. And I think eights too probably are like 
get make it practical. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. <laughs> um, I'm like, I'll try anything. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. I feel like mm, I'm like in the middle. I do love the science mm-hmm. and it'll definitely pull me in. But then I'll laugh at myself because I'm like, babe, like you should have just, you know, <laughs> tried it from the get go. I don't know. Yeah. It probably depends. It depends how it sells to me as well. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Um, do you feel like you have found a sense of balance between production and gentleness with yourself like I feel like sometimes it can be hard when we have to like content on a consistent schedule to hold both like okay I have to make this thing on this timeline but also I want to be kind to myself in that process yeah yeah what is that like for you um I feel like right now I'm actually going through a period where I've sort of taken my foot off the gas and I am like trying to take a step back and really reevaluate and um yeah I guess with my content look at from a place of look at it from a place of what's most enjoyable to me um and how can I produce in a way that feels really good um so right now I don't know I'm probably more leaning into the gentleness um than I am into the production I do find that it's like generally I I, sometimes I'm like oh go 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 especially around new year's I'm like oh this is my time I'm just gonna create 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 um and then I'll like enter my period of gentleness I found that that's kind of always how it's worked for me like I'm a bit of a ghost kind of person um but I guess it's just about listening to my body <laughs> um, and yeah. figuring out what's right for the season that I'm in. I was listening to Ada Limon. She's the poet laureate right now. And she was talking about like writing poetry and she was saying are gathering seasons where you're just kind of like collecting and you're yeah. observing and you're and then some seasons are production seasons. And so I like it feels like, oh, like you're in a gathering season. I'm in a gathering season. Exactly. I love that way of looking at it. That's so nice. Yeah. I feel like I, I'm always just like switching between the two and I don't see it so much as a bad thing. I think it's probably natural. Um, I don't know. It feels right to me. Yeah. I don't think I can, I don't think my best content comes from not doing that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I have to have times where I like, I love that you said like, take the foot off the gas a little bit and just kind of like, let it go. Like, you know, like keep going, but like not pushing, pushing, pushing. And yeah. then times where I feel like creation's so natural and easy and it's flowing and I can just be in five places at once and yeah absolutely and I think taking your foot off the gas as well it's almost like your brain knows after some time and it's like here you go like here's all the inspiration that you need to to get back into it I don't know it feels flowy and natural yeah and I feel like I think this is helpful to talk about because I think both of us probably have at least like my perception of you on the internet, perception that I give on the internet is like structured and like, and, but I think within, for me, at least like within that structure, there's a lot of vacillation. So it's like, yeah, there's like a container, but also like sometimes I'm giving more, sometimes I'm receiving more and it's not every day is the same. Oh, absolutely. And I think I'd actually go insane if every single day was the same. Like I do feel like, that interesting mixture between structure and flow. Yes, I feel like mm-hmm. my life is quite structured, but within the structure, there's flow, I suppose. There's, I mean, I have my morning routine, 
can change based on how I'm feeling from day to day, but there's always the morning routine. Do you know what I mean? And I absolutely no, yeah, no, you're honestly, right. like I think like, I routine can change, but then when I'm like really like, well, what is that? What do I want today? It's almost always, yes. but it's like water, uh, journaling. Like I'm like yeah. pretty predictable, but it's like. I'm choosing it every day away. <laughs> yes, I love exactly it. it though. Yeah, to this, this, you almost have like a menu. That's how I think of my morning routine. It's almost mm-hmm. like I have a menu of things that I'm choosing from every day. And like, yes, they're going to be, but yeah, it's, it's the power of choice. Oh, I love that way of looking at it. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. Um, so for people at home who are like on this journey of, you know, creativity and, and gentleness with self, are there any like final thoughts that you want to leave people with today? Um, I would probably leave everyone with a final thought of, I think we're going back to what we were talking about earlier in the interview, um, idea that there probably is no one that is the answer for everyone. Um, encourage people to experiment, figure out what works for your brain, listen to yourself, um, listen to your body, you know, feel into what feels good and sort of iterate. Oh, did I say that eloquently? I don't think so. Yeah. I'm basically, I'm saying experiment, figure out what works for you. Don't take everything as, okay, need to do it by the book. Um, yeah, become a little curious scientist in life um, is something that I've found really helpful. Yeah, I love that. Um, and Michelle, people who want to stay in touch, where can they find you online? Um, you can find me on YouTube. Just look up Michelle B, but it's with a U, so Michelle B. Um, and I'm on Instagram, same Instagram handle. Um, you'll be able to find me. Yeah, and we'll link everything below. And y'all, um, Michelle has a planner called the Life Map. Like sometimes like it's like the planner I'll pick out sometimes. And I will say if you've been in the Brave Collective, like in my planning course it lines up really well with the curriculum like like almost perfectly it's crazy so you guys should check it out yeah um I hate to tell you but I've actually stopped producing my oh no physical planners (laughs) (laughs) just throwing that out there so that people don't get super excited and go go to buy them (laughs) Uh, but we're not making the physical planners anymore just to let you know Oh, yeah, my bad. Well, you have the intention app. It's still going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still going. We've got meditations. We've got little courses. It's a vibe. (laughs) So fun. Um, Well, sorry to get you guys excited about it and then take it away. But (laughs) Um, well, Michelle, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so great. Properly, because I followed you for ages. I feel like I know you. (laughs) Yeah, same, same. (laughs) Awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.